What's up, everything? It's Thursday, November 9th, and we've got a lot to cover. The Blues have wins against the Maple Leafs and Devils, and they currently sit atop the Western Conference standings. Meanwhile, the Avalanche Predators and Senators completed a mega three-way trade that sent Matt Duchesne to Ottawa. We'll cover that and other league news, as well as all the Blues games and updates you've been waiting to hear. So let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everybody. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. I am Stephen Ground. I'm joined by Ian Peters. How's your night going, Ian? It's going well. I'm reading my season ticket holder notes. Oh, yeah? They don't. Are there any exciting revelations in there? They don't tell you very much. <laughs> You're a season ticket holder. The Congratulations. <laughs> uh, as we mentioned, it's the 9th of November somehow, uh, and we've got a lot of news to cover tonight. Uh, so I guess we'll just jump right into it, just as a as a point of order. I guess is that what lawyers say? <laughs> are we lawyers? Uh, as <laughs> as a point of order, uh, we are recording this before and uh, probably eventually somewhat during the Blues Coyotes game. Uh, that's just kind of a looking ahead, seeing what games will fit best when, and we have a lot of news mm-hmm. uh, to cover today from the league. So. Just so you know, that's why you won't hear about the Coyotes on today's podcast. Hopefully it'll be an easy win, but it won't be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Coyotes are the worst team in the league, so you would hope the Blues could handle them at home. But uh, we've seen worse. We're downers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's why we're not talking about that. Uh, other podcast news, there's not a lot. You can follow us on Twitter at Two Guys No Cup. Uh, me at Stephen Ground, Ian at Ian A. Peters. Like us, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, etc. And now that all the shilling is done, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the biggest uh, news in the league this past week, which is the trade that sent Matt Duchesne finally out of uh, Colorado <laughs> I'm sure that's and what he says. ultimately to the Ottawa Senators uh, with. Pieces moving uh, between Ottawa, Nashville, and Colorado. Uh, so I'll break down what pieces went where, uh, and then I'll let you give your thoughts, Ian. So the big, the two big names are Matt Duchesne, obviously, is kind of the centerpiece of the trade. Uh, he goes to um, Ottawa from Colorado. Uh, the Senators then sent Kyle Turris... Uh, from them, from themselves, <laughs> to uh, Nashville. Thankfully, we needed Nashville to have another good center, right? Gross. And uh, the Colorado received an absolute haul of picks and prospects and a, a throwaway backup goalie. Uh, they got a first and a third round pick from Ottawa, a second round pick from the Predators, uh, as well as Ottawa's first round pick, Shane Bowers, from this past year. Uh, a second-round pick from 2014 of the Predators, whose name is Vladislav Kamenev, I assume. Uh, I may be butchering that. Uh, Samuel Girard, a defender from uh, Ottawa, who's kind of the centerpiece of the return for uh, the Avs. We'll talk a little bit more about him in the minute, in a minute. And then uh, Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar, uh, who has been the backup goalie for the Senators for a while now. Um, obviously got pretty hot going into the playoffs, mm-hmm. I think, two years ago and got pretty well-known, uh, but has been Anderson's backup ever since yep. and was then and is likely a piece that the uh, Avalanche are looking to flip. Uh, both he and Jonathan Bernier, their current backup goalie, are UFAs after the year, so you figure they'll flip one of those two. I feel like that's got to be, um, I don't know, Vegas's timetable on their uh, goalies, but I was sitting yeah, there thinking they like, got to trade them to Vegas. Yeah, you would think for sure. Um, but in any case, uh, before we talk a little bit more about some of my reactions, what are your initial gut responses to this trade? 
it seemed it seemed like the Matt Duchesne saga was going to come to an end at some point this season. I didn't foresee it getting to the trade deadline by any means. And he had been connected to Ottawa, at least for the last couple of weeks. There kind of been rumblings of this three-way trade, and then it was canceled, and it was back on. Mm-hmm. I don't. I get it from a Colorado perspective. They got seven things for one guy. <laughs> yeah. And I really don't think Matt Duchesne's worth all of that. I can't say I know. <laughs> I can't say I know what some of these prospects are like. Mm-hmm. I don't know what where they are in the depth chart for some of some of these teams when they got drafted. But just getting a first round pick and even a third round pick and a deep draft this year, I think that alone's really good. Yeah. I'm sure at least one of these um, three different. Oh, they got a second round pick too. But yeah, one of these three prospects has to pan out, I'm sure. I think that's a haul for Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne, who I would have liked on the Blues, but it wasn't like a make or break thing. So I guess yeah. that's why I see seven things for him and I go, what? Mm hmm. And then from Ottawa's perspective, Matt Duchesne, I don't know if he's that much of an improvement over Kyle Turris. Yeah. I'd have to look at the games played again. Uh, Kyle Turris has been a little more injured through his career, so he doesn't have he doesn't have as many games played, I'm guessing, as Matt Duchesne. But there's a good 100-point gap between Duchesne and Turris, with uh, Duchesne having 100 more. Mm-hmm. But in terms of possession stats and just, I don't know, durability and how they're playing them, where they're starting and what zones they're playing in. It just feels like Kyle Turris, or Matt Duchesne, rather, is a slight upgrade from Kyle Turris. Yeah. And not worth not worth everything that uh, Ottawa gave up in that deal, by any means. I don't... Just looking at this list, a first and third, a forward, a goalie, and essentially Kyle Turris mm-hmm. for Matt Duchesne. Yeah. I nah. And I think Nashville did pretty good because I think this is a a team that needed center depth. We saw what happened last year mm-hmm. when they lost um now he's escaping me. Johansson to injury yeah. in the playoffs. I mean they they managed did they have him when we were playing them? He had they had Johansson when we were playing them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But after that you could see that they were kind of a different team without him. They needed someone behind him. Um I don't think Benino, who they currently have fills a role as far as a second line center mm-hmm. he's definitely more of a third liner i think this kind of solidifies him up the middle so it's a good it's a good move for them and for what they gave up uh that seems fine a second round pick and two other two other uh prospects not a bad not a bad deal yeah for nashville that is yeah i pretty much agree with all of your comments i think uh, i would say that the abs are really big winners here mm-hmm. um you look at a situation where we've known for all Close to, if not over a year, that Matt Duchesne, <coughs> Matt Duchesne wanted out. Excuse yeah. me, I've got a little bit of allergies or cold he hates tonight. Matt so. Duchesne. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I can't say his name without spitting up. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, you know, I mean, we've known for ages that Duchesne wanted out uh, and that Sackick, who neither of us has been particularly yeah. kind to in the past on this podcast, uh was looking to deal him for an absurd return. And that's always been the story, is that he'd have deals on the table that you look at and you think, yeah, like one of them was like Travis Hamonic plus several picks, a couple first-round picks, I think, or something. And you look at it and you like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And Sackick's like, no, you know. So with all of that, no, this isn't ultimately the bend somebody over a barrel sort of you know, get yeah. uh, Ekblad and a first-round pick, whatever, sort of, you know, a ridiculous return. But they get seven good pieces plus whatever they can get for Hammond, which he was maybe is another pick, probably mm-hmm. like a third- or fourth-round pick. But they get seven pieces um, in exchange for a player that, you, that they have no leverage to trade. They have no... Uh, strong ground from which to trade Matt Duchesne and demand people, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. demand people bend over for this guy who everybody knows wants out and everybody knows is unhappy there. Uh, I didn't go, you know, wildly deep into these prospects because obviously it's not a blues trade. Uh, but from everything I've read, uh, Samuel Gerard is a really legit uh, top blue line for blue, top four player. Uh, 
you know, starting in a year or two, he'll be that good. He's, he's the defenseman, right? Yeah, okay. he'll probably be playing, you know, for them this year. Uh, he's played some in Nashville this year. Um, so he's really the kind of the, the blue chipper, if you will. Uh, Kamenev's a two-way forward, two-way center that could be really good, but it's a little harder to tell. He's already 21, so he's not young, but he's coming over from Russia. So, I mean, he, he has been over from Russia, but, you know, it always takes a little while to transition from that game. Uh, Bowers is really well regarded as a late first-round pick uh, from this past year's draft. And uh, all these picks, you know, a first, a second, and a third – is nothing to sneeze at. I didn't check. I assume they're all next year. I didn't. I, yeah, not I'm not. Be, but, I'm not entirely sure. And then on top of that, you've got Hammond, who you can flip. So um, I just think that's a great haul in a position where you have no leverage. Uh, as you said, not to dwell on it any longer. I do not understand this for the Senators. Mm-hmm. I can't unless there was a similar situation with Turris where he wanted out of town. There, which, that is something we kind of missed. I think there was. Yeah, he basically said he wanted seven or eight years with Ottawa, and he knew that they weren't going to be able to make that. Uh-huh. So then he was willing to sign the six for six with Nashville. Yeah, because he, he did. You did mention yeah. him signing that. Yeah. Um, so I guess in that situation, it it works, but it's not ideal. But you didn't really get like you didn't get a haul for tourists. You just uh, maybe cut into the price of Duchesne a mm. little bit. Um, it's not nearly enough of an upgrade, I don't think. No. And you looked up some of the stats between them, but it's not nearly enough of an upgrade from Turris to Duchesne to justify this. Uh, I think the Preds do kind of fine here. They get a pretty good center. Mm-hmm. Basically, they gave up uh, two second-round picks, counting the Russian player, and uh, a really good defensive prospect who just there's yeah. they can't have any more defensive <laughs> prospects. That's a, I mean, he could barely yeah. find playing time with Ellis dead this year. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's no it's it's fine-ish for Nashville. It's gross that they get another player. But sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, so. I was just say it's a, that one feels like the most the most trade like mm-hmm. I guess you'd call it. Whereas we kind of think Ottawa got maybe a little hosed and the Avs came away huge winners. Nashville kind of feels like what they gave up to get what they got. Yeah. Seems like, well, that's fair. Yeah. I'm just thinking if we gave up like Wallman, uh, it was Cairo was a second round pick mm-hmm. with good upside and an actual second round pick for Calters. I'd feel pretty. Yeah. Okay I'd say that, that's especially given the fact that our center depth is pretty poor. Right. So. Yeah. So I can't, faulted at all from a Preds standpoint, especially since they immediately locked down tourists. Mm. Uh, they obviously just lost Fisher uh, for, you know, to I retirement. keep forgetting that, too. But um, with the, it does make the Benino contract a little more suspect. We already talked about that in the offseason. Is he over but, four mil? Yeah, and for four uh, three years? or four years. Yeah, yeah. Like so a little more questions there. But if you're going to overpay for positions, I would be overpaying for center, too, probably. So... Uh, so that's, I guess, all we need to say about that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it obviously will take a long time to see really what the ads got out of this, and I wouldn't be wildly enthusiastic about the ads' ability to develop players right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, Neither is our friend Jordan, who's the ads fan that we reference when we talk about this team, but um, I think they have a ton of pieces to play with and move around as they see fit for mm. a player that couldn't be helping that team, you know, the locker room or anything at that mm. point anyway. I haven't looked at the standings in a while, but they're doing fantastic this year, but they're not doing terrible. They're not as bad as last year, for sure. That's probably hard um, to replicate anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we talked a little bit about how that was an outlier. They're currently sitting uh, fourth fourth in our division uh, with 16 points, and they only have 14 games played. Uh, in contrast to our 16. So, yeah, they're not doing horribly this year. Obviously, they won't be better immediately mm. without Matt Duchesne, one figures, unless he really was like a cancer in the locker room. But <laughs> it will be interesting to see what happens with them moving forward. Yeah. And uh, they play they play the Senators in two games in Sweden yeah, this, this weekend. Week, so that'll be fun to watch. 
Uh, we'll talk about that next week a little bit if anything interesting happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, another story that I just wanted to touch on because I think it is a really bad look for the NHL <laughs> and for uh, the newest team in the NHL is the uh, Shipyachov. Is it Vadim Shipyachov? I forgot to write down his first name. But doesn't yes, even it matter anymore. <laughs> it is Vadim Shipyachov. He's gone. Which, whose name I, again, am probably butchering, but... Uh, This is a player that the Knights signed at the very beginning of free agency uh, for for two years at $4.5 million per season. He's a Russian 30-year-old player who's been a superstar in the KHL. And by all reports, they brought him over to be kind of their big star for the year, you know, for the first two years of their franchise because they didn't figure to get a player as good as him, a forward as good as him through the expansion draft. Uh, so they brought him in, and they paid good money to bring him in to be their big star. And then when the season started, he started the year in the AHL, where he stayed for a while, and then he bounced up, and he played three games, I think, over a couple of stints in the NHL, and scored one NHL goal and bounced back and forth between the AHL and the NHL. Uh, he then had a period where he was allowed to look for a trade, for a while until it was ultimately decided that he would retire, in air quotes, from the NHL so that he could essentially void his contract Mm -hmm. and go back to the KHL. Um, Obviously, the Olympics are partly a factor in any Russian players right Mm -hmm. right now uh, decision to go back to Russia and play there. Uh, But to me, this is just a really kind of egg-on-their-face moment for uh, the Knights specifically, but I think for the NHL uh, in kind of a broader sense, who do not have a great international image right now, Mm -hmm. I don't think, uh, with missing the Olympics and now botching this. um, I think the Knights uh, deserve to be looked at with some scorn for this. Um, And I think, you know, you can talk about them being a new organization, but George McPhee is not a new GM, you know, so... Yeah, their their front office is an inexperience. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, whatever role the owner had in this, and um, we're not wild about the owner (laughs) in some different ways that we've talked about, Uh, but whatever role he had in it, sure, maybe he is inexperienced, but McPhee knows better their coaches know better and look they never gave him a shot i mean this, yeah maybe he wasn't red hot maybe he wasn't even good in training camp but when you're paying a guy 4.5 million dollars a year and you're an expansion team he deserves more than a three-game nhl tryout you know mm-hmm. and it's just i you know i don't know all the behind the scenes with him and maybe he was you know really unhappy here and just didn't fit in well you can you know that wouldn't be a total surprise for an nhl or a khl are coming over but it just seems like it's a bad look for all the parties involved uh do you have anything more to add to that really just something i've been kind of annoyed by. i was like yeah that's more 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 of a, a rant for you yeah um not really i guess a devils and raving <laughs> Dev- devil's advocate Mm-hmm. I guess it's just that I mean they have to they have to still pay him, do they not? I'm sure, right? No? I don't know that they do. I don't know if they're I don't know the retired thing. I works. assume there's a settlement or something. Okay, but but anyways, I know that I do know the players' association was brought in to help resolve it. So I and you know I assume probably I would doubt he gets paid nine million dollars from them. Yeah, I'm just thinking that. At very least, and I guess that's why they can get rid of them. They're doing well, yeah. So they're kind of like, well, we can just kind of burn this bridge. It's right. a four point five million dollar bridge, but we can just kind of go whatever. Yeah, it is odd because I did, I had no reason to really, other than the stats are pretty good in the KHL. Mm-hmm. But I had come into the season thinking, hey, this is going to be like their kind of star guy, yeah, or the guy that they well, kind I mean, of they were build around like that, and yeah. yeah. It just seemed odd. It was just really odd to see, oh, AHL, and the report was, oh, it was to make money work. Mm. Like it was some sort of like savvy move. Yeah. And then he just was gone. Mm. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, bye. Yeah, and it's interesting uh, to contrast Shipyachov with uh, his, I think, KHL lineman, mm-hmm. line mate, uh, Evgeny Dadanov, who came over to the fire, or Panthers, the, fl- <laughs> the Florida Panthers, and has been having a great season and has mm. fit in well there and has been a great top six forward for them. Um, 
obviously some of, uh, you know, Shipachov, I'm sure, bears some of this blame, mm-hmm. maybe a lot of this blame. But I, I also don't love the precedent it sets that KHL players can just kind of try out elbow the NHL. their ways out yeah. of the league, you know, in I, the middle of the season. Yeah, I'll just come over for a little bit. No, nah, I don't like it. I'm yeah, out of here. Yeah, but um, um, hopefully it's just a one-off thing. Uh, the other interesting angle of this that that uh, is more focused on the Blues, though, is that there was a report uh, that I first heard about yesterday, I think first came out yesterday, uh, about a player from the KHL whose name is Denise or Danis uh, Zarapov, who is a 36-year-old Russian winger, uh, <laughs> and the report says that the Blues have made a contract offer to him and the way I read it is like it's a current, you know, it's a recent mm-hmm. offer that would bring him over in the near future uh, if he signed it, which there's been no words that he has or anything. But uh, Zarapov was a KHL star who was banned uh, from the KHL till 2019 for pseudoephedrine, uh, which is not a banned substance in the <laughs> NHL, which just side note, how the heck does the KHL have a more strict doping <laughs> policy than the NHL? I don't, I don't understand. That's not how stereotypes go. Yeah, um, this is very backwards. Yeah, but in any case, uh, yeah, so uh, Zarapov can't play in the KHL till 2019. Uh, he's obviously, even as a KHL player, is aging uh, at the age of 36. Um, but last season he had 45 points, uh, and before that seasons of 54 and two seasons of 64 points uh, before that. Uh, he's had four KHL seasons of over 60 points, and they play about 60 games in mm-hmm. a KHL season. And one article I read said that he had the level of respect in Russia that uh, Pavel Datsuk has over here, although you would assume he also has that level of respect <laughs> in Russia. But So are you telling me that if we get him on our team... He will be Pavel Datsuk. We're yes, going to get a Lady Bing winner <laughs> finally yep, on this team. Good Lord. After Freaking uh, Tarasenko disappointed. Just us. dropped the ball. Yeah. What is it with Russians winning Lady Bings and having stricter doping policies <laughs> in the U.S.? What's going on here? I think they're like, I don't speak English. Good behavior for me. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. Maybe they don't want to be new ship your job. A plus Russian accent. Um, in any case, I mean, this is, you know, this could be noise rather than news. It could be nothing and we could not hear about it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, it gets me kind of excited, gets the juices flowing because it would just be a fun aspect of something to talk about. You know, if the if it happened, if he came over, uh, you figure he'd be a pretty good fit here since we've got this red scare of a team already <laughs> over here with Tarasenko and uh, Yaskin and <coughs> Russian players, Kostin and uh, Torpchenko and yeah. Miners, which I guess wouldn't matter to him. But uh, you figure Tarasenko would help him out. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Tarasenko gave part of his house to uh, that player, <laughs> not Yakupov last oh, year. Yeah. Um, it and is, is a forgettable player, to be, <laughs> fair, to be fair. But you would figure uh, Tarasenko would welcome a Russian player with open arms. Um, what do you think about this rumor? And then uh, another question on top of that, do you think the Blues are set with the players they have now and the ones that will eventually come back in Bowmeister and Berglund at least, or do you think they need to add more? I'm a, I am want Berglund to come back, and I think he's scheduled for like December. That was mm-hmm. like a long time ago. Yeah. I know he's skating with the team. There was even like a little Twitter picture of him having fun with Scotty Upshaw or somebody. Bradzia, Kyle Bradzia. Um But it's... I'm afraid when we get Berglund back that it's going to be the Armstrong. It's like a trade, mm-hmm. and I like I like Berglund, and I think he can he does more offensively than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. He scored twenty plus goals last year. I still think that that's great for our third line yeah. center. He's we, a really good yeah, third line. Yeah, I think center. he's great, and you need you need one. Uh huh. And I think I like Sobotka too, where he is. Right. He's gotten plenty of assists, but I think if you slot him down onto the third line, that starting to make a killer third line. Yeah. I'd want that either a center, which just seems hard at this point, or someone to play right wing or someone that can play left wing and someone can play their off wing. I just yeah. think we need another top six I agree. forward. 
I don't think it's going to be a huge impact player if we get one. You yeah. know, it's not going to be some crazy trade where we get Tavares Panarin or, or I don't know. Yeah, someone like that. But I think you could get somebody that's maybe a little older. Uh-huh. I saw James Neal floated around, mm-hmm. which I think would be a good get. Yeah, I've we've seen, mentioned him before. And I yeah. think he, he in particular will be nice because I feel like we're maybe missing a little bit of that grit, too. Mm-hmm. And, to, and not that that's a, an inherent virtue. Uh, but it's I think always it's nice to have in the playoffs. It's great to have the guys Close that games. get under your skin. We had it in Bacchus and Perron, and Brower had a more physical style. So, yeah, I mean, that'd be a nice addition, I I've, think, for sure. I've seen Verbato floated around. I don't know where he plays currently. He is a little older, but he is a goal scorer. I just made the Bruce Boudreaux poison <laughs> face. <laughs> that's not the best, but that's kind of the caliber of person I think we're going to be looking yeah, at. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm not sure I'm convinced Red and Verbata is a. Uh, third line player right now he's a florida panther according to this okay. uh, but he does have uh let's see 10 points in 14 games with florida this year three goals seven assists so yeah i mean he'd be an all right addition i'd be more excited by neil for sure but no we'd also probably pay more for neil i so. think it'd be nice just from we're in a division where it feels like the tides are kind of changing as far as who's the good team. Yeah. Aside from us, of course. Right. Uh, but we're very set. <laughs> but I think like you see Chicago kind of falling down the ranks. Um, I don't know what the hell Dallas is, but Nashville seems to have with that tourist trade go. Hey, it wasn't a fluke that we were in the Cup Finals. We're going to try and go Although for it, it again. Was. Although <laughs> they're going to try and go for it again. I'd kind of like yeah. Doug Armstrong to answer. Maybe not with that big a trade, but hey, we're going to try to solidify our top six yeah, too i agree i think uh i just as an aside i wouldn't be at all shocked if it came out one day that david perron was coming back on like a cheapo yeah. deal or cheapo trade uh not that i like david perron more than the average blues fan seems <laughs> to but in any case i do think uh the combination of our needs and uh the additional reality of our depth Mm-hmm. in terms of prospects kind of creates a situation where a trade's almost inevitable. Mm-hmm. And I heard uh, JR Jeremy Rutherford talk about this uh, on 101 recently, a couple days ago. And they asked him, especially about the defensive depth, we've got guys uh, in Jordan Schmaltz and Jake Wallman who are, could be playing on an NHL third line pretty easily right now mm-hmm. um, and are performing well in the AHL. And we've got guys even behind them, you know, Vanellis and other guys that are younger. Um, not to mention the five or six guys we've got fighting for third line spots right now, plus Sammy Blay and uh, Jordan Cairo mm-hmm. and it's like eight and trillion Thompson, goalie prospects. Yeah. Uh, I've, I, I was thinking of Tage Thompson, but I've forgotten his name already. So, I mean, all of that is to say, and one of the things Jeremy Rutherford said is you don't want to hang on to those guys so long that they have no value left. You know, mm-hmm. you can sell a lot of guys on Tage Thompson right now. If you yeah. if you keep him in the AHL for another whole year, even if you say, "Look, our team's so so loaded right now, we just don't have the spot for him." Eventually, they're going to say, "Yeah, but he's not good enough to make himself a spot," you know, mm-hmm. and his his value diminishes, and that's true for all those guys. So if it, you know, and I don't know if I want to trade a Wallman or a Thompson for a rental, yeah, it's I would really top tier rental, but. Um, you know, if you could get a guy who's cost controlled for a couple of years, um, I forgot. I threw some names at you the other day. I forgot about him. Uh, but you know, a guy like Duchesne, not on Duchesne's level necessarily, but mm-hmm. he's got that. You know, three years at a at a controllable salary. Mm-hmm. We might have to clear some up in a deal like that and send a Steen or somebody out, um, or Bowmeister. Honestly, yeah. actually, and I'm sure he's got a personal yeah. trade, but. Um, we'll talk about him in a second. But to make a long story short, it definitely feels like we are in a good position to make a trade. It feels and like, yeah. have a need to eventually. Whether that comes now or a month from now or closer, even closer to the trade deadline mm-hmm. in, I assume, February, um, I, I think it'll happen. I'm, I'm more confident, you know, I'm as confident or more 
that there will be some trade of some significance for the Blues this year as I was about the Shattenkirk trade last year. Mm-hmm. Just because even Armstrong admitted we're one injury away right now. I mean, this was before Steen came back, but... Mm-hmm. We, if we'll we lose think any of, our top of those line. first line guys, yeah. we're doomed. I mean, we yeah. really are. You a Tarasenko, Schwartz, and even we'll say to a lesser extent, a Shen injury yeah. is just not good for this team yeah. in any way. Yes, Stastny could move up and take that spot, but then who does? Stastny's yeah, now work, that second know, line so. is just nothing. Yeah. So uh, moving on from that because it's a bit early to be hot stoving it, if you will, which I think is a baseball term. <laughs> um, I do think uh, it's something to keep an eye on and we'll track uh, and tweet and talk about next week any uh, Zarpov off updates, if there are any. Uh, you had a note you wanted to mention about defensive scoring so far this season through last season. Yeah, we can mention this before we get into talking about Bo Meester a little. Uh-huh. Um, that's just a little side note of the fact that we're 16 games in, not talking about the Arizona game tonight or anything. And at this time last year, now there were some injuries due to some of our defensemen last year where they were, I think, I don't know if it was uh, Gunnarsson was out for a little bit of time to begin the season and everything. So basically I took every defenseman's first 16 games and got their points together. My phone exploded. No. <laughs> You're Go fine. on. But uh, last year at this time, between Petrangelo, Bo Meester, Pareko Edmondson, Shattenkirk, and Gunnarsson, we had eight goals, 21 assists for 29 points from mm-hmm. defensemen. And that's really not that bad at all, actually. I thought for some reason it'd be it'd be worse. But this year, through 16 games for Petrangelo, Pareko Edmondson, Gunnarsson, Dunn, and Bortuzzo, we have 17 goals, 17 assists, and 34 points. So that's an uptick of nine more goals. Our assists go down by four, but that's no big deal. I think that has a lot to do with mm-hmm. no shaddy on the power play. Right. But 34 points, that's five more than last year, and I think the bigger deal is when you look at... The minus dis- Shattenkirk. Yeah, that's know. minus Shattenkirk, and you look at the distribution of it all, and I mean, we've already been talking about this a lot, but it's Petrangelo last year, three goals, four assists, and at this point, this year, he has six goals, nine assists. Yeah. That's a huge that's uptick. That's a huge jump. Yeah, and I was actually surprised that Dunn had no assists. I thought for some reason he did, but even Dunn, our, our rookie's got two goals, and uh-huh. he's looked better and better every game. He looks great, yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, that's that just feeds the narrative we've been talking mm-hmm. about, which is the defense. It's, our defensive scheme, I really think, has been revolutionized, and there's just a more fluid picture of the five-man unit backing each other up, playing mm-hmm. the position they need to play in the moment, and doing a great job of it. You know, So I think that speaks to some of the talent we had here, even without Shattenkirk, mm-hmm. I think. Um, in hindsight... You kind of wish maybe we'd made the Shattenkirk deal sooner and gotten a better return, seeing you, yeah. what Petrangelo is <laughs> capable of. But you can't. I mean, that's you know hindsight. You just never know. It's fifty-fifty all the time. But yeah, I do think it's an interesting point, and I think the the really interesting question then as a result is uh, where does Jay Bomeister fit? Yeah, this is a if weird and one. When he ever returns, uh, so reports on Jay Bomeister are not. Uh, wildly encouraging, actually, at the moment. Uh, it's it's been known for a while that he's been skating a little bit with the team, uh, but he is, according to Mike Yo, still having considerable difficulty and pain uh, with his ankle. And when this injury happened, not immediately after it happened, of course, because we've got to cloud everything in a layer of mystery in the NHL, but uh, <laughs> there was some talk that this was you know, not as a simple injury to heal. I mean, there's, you know, in any physical injury, some are like really, you know, if you fracture your ankle, you just set the bone and it heals. Mm-hmm. But a high ankle sprain, even though the injury is less severe in a way, it's a lot harder to like timetable or return because mm-hmm. you can't just fix something and wait, you know? Yeah. So uh, there's been some talk that Bomeister's injury is more of that second nature where it's a little bit like, You've got to deal with pain and, you know, figure out, just wait until Mm. he feels like he can come back. So in a strange way, and, you know, with all well wishes and respect to Bo Meester personally, it feels like this is kind of the best thing for the Blues right now Mm. because there's really not, there's not an obvious spot for Bo Meester when he comes back. 
the ob- I mean, the answer is obviously Bo Meester will get the first opportunity to play. You know, I mean, you're you're paying that guy a lot of money. He's a beloved and respected veteran, so he's going to play, and somebody else is going to sit. I just don't. The question uh, is who <laughs> at the moment. I just don't like touching this lineup at all. Yeah, it's been red hot, and and you know. We always say it's always true with injuries. These questions can answer themselves. Dunce, done, dunce. (laughs) I'm sure we'll hear that from opposing fans. (laughs) Done could, uh, you know, cool down immediately or, God forbid, get hurt. Uh, Any of our defensemen, you know, uh, could be injured or, or make it obvious that they are. Uh, the one to lose playing time. Um, but for the moment, it certainly looks like uh, that's not going to be the case. Like our defense is uh, playing, you know, especially really well. And um, it's just a, it's an interesting question to think about for the time being uh, what, what will come when Bo Meester returns. And I'm trying to look up. The reason I'm stalling is uh, Bo Meester, what hand shot is he? I believe he's left. Left. That's what I wanted to say, but I'm not confident. Because uh, he played with Petrangelo, yeah. Yeah. Here's a funny thing. I looked up our team's roster on HockeyReference.com, mm-hmm. and uh, next to Vladimir Tarasenko's name under the flag, it has the hammer and sickle flag. For really? Russia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he's a Soviet, not a, a Russian. But in any case, uh, moving on from that. Yeah, I think so. Our left-handed shots include Dunn, who's mm-hmm. not going anywhere at the rate he's playing. The team, which I meant to mention, has told him to look for permanent housing in St. Louis, which is a pretty good sign that his roster spot is secure. Um, when you're playing that well, you just taking him out, taking a young guy out like that is just gonna. Mm-hmm. I feel like a giant speed bump into their their development. Yeah, and Edmondson. Is another lefty, but he's obviously not going anywhere. Yeah, Gunnarsson, as much as he gets maligned, has played very well this year, mm-hmm. and certainly hasn't earned a scratch. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, may be the it's pretty much Bortuzzo, I'm guessing recipient. And yeah, that's one of the things uh, that Jr. talked about is possibly having uh, Bowie, Bowie play on the weak side with on his weak side with Dunn to be kind of the veteran presence. That'd be one. interesting. But even saying that, Bortuzzo has played really good and has yeah, been he doesn't a look good bad pairing at all. with Dunn, so it's hard to know. That's almost name alone. It's like, you're Robert Bortuzzo. <laughs> you go sit. <laughs> you have to court. sit. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so we don't want to drag that on too long, but uh, we'll kind of wait and see on that and uh cross that bridge when we have to but it is interesting to think about and it's uh important information to get out there bowmeister's current status which we hope to the people. he gets well soon for his sake if not for the blues <laughs> um so moving on to the two games that the blues played this week which were both victories as has become a common theme and for the first time in Two guys, no cup history. Ian is going to be doing the rundown oh. of the Maple Leafs game, so take it away, boss. <laughs> boss man, uh, I was at the game with a with a friend in a luxury so. box. Oh, it was people. a luxury box, not for my work. <laughs> Drinking for free. Thanks, Emerson. <laughs> um, it was a really good game. I've gone to the game. I guess yeah, right before that, we'd both been at the Flyers game. So the beginning of this... Yes, we had, hadn't we? (laughs) In the plebe seats. Just just separately. Um, The beginning of this game reminded me a lot of the Flyers game. The common denominator here is that I don't get to go to any more games. (laughs) Yeah, you have to stop. (laughs) They're all shutouts for you. But this game reminded me a lot of the Flyers game to start. Maybe almost the whole first half of the first period. That's what I was going to say about the Devils game. (laughs) I was say, so maybe our starts aren't great um, these last couple games. Yeah. It was a lot of being limited, pushed to the outside, um, a lot of block shots on the Maple Leafs part, and we just didn't look all that urgent. And so in the first period, uh, Andreas Borgman scored with mm-hmm. assists from Martin and Carrick on the first none first of, goal. None yeah. of those people are real. <laughs> Matt Martin's really fights. Um, That's true. 
On that goal, the Blues were kind of guilty of flooding the right side with too many men on the rush, leaving Borgman kind of wide open. Ooh. I saw we had both of our defensemen moving to the right and a forward <laughs> trailing yeah. Martin, and so Borgman was just wide open. It was just a really good shot over over Allen, who was kind of out aggressively, but it looked like he might have dropped his blocker a little early, but those will happen. Uh, Blues started, I have it, Blues started cooking in the off the hop in the <laughs> second period. Um, one thing I noticed throughout the whole second period before I get to the goals is that it's, it's probably a pretty uh, obvious thing, but it seems like when we're doing our best, we're creating plays and we're not looking. We did our best. <laughs> we're not looking for plays, you know? Yeah. It seems like a lot of these periods where we don't seem to do overly well, it looks like we're looking for another player to get open or find a spot. Whereas when we're playing well, it looks like the puck carrier is actually trying to do a lot of the work themselves. That's a really good point. And yeah. I think that just kind of, I don't know, invigorates your team, gets your team moving, mm-hmm. rather than watching a stagnant guy look for you, I guess, and like more of a you know, scrambling quarterback sense. Um, but uh, right away off the hop in the second period, uh, Tarasenko scored with assists from Schwartz and Shen, which is going to be a reoccurring theme throughout this whole game. Uh, he got it off the backhand when Anderson sort of flubbed the puck a little bit. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, Schwartz pretty much yeah. wind-up shot right into Anderson. Anderson thought he had it covered up, sort of that whole hugging your teddy bear close to your <laughs> chest look, and it kind of dropped down in front of him. And we were on the opposite side. I didn't even see it drop down. Tarasenko just swatted at what looked to me like nothing. And then we scored a goal. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of nice to see Tarasenko get kind of like a more of an in-close garbage goal. You just kind of like to see. I like to see our goal scorers get varied goals. Yeah. Um, and then five minutes later, Joel Edmondson scored with assists from Shannon Swartz again. Uh, off a rebound from Anderson from a Shen shot. That one was also pretty nice. Uh, that was uh, There was a whole article on The Athletic from a Toronto writer about pretty much breaking down that entire play of Toronto's blown coverage. <laughs> um, he goes in depth, so if you read it, it definitely makes it seem like the Toronto Maple Leafs are awful. But it's just kind of one play. But it is kind of interesting that it was a lot of compliments to Schwartz kind of being the motor of the entire play. Are they not um, awful? Not this year. <laughs> Two years ago and forever on before that, we could have made that statement. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Edmondson made it 2-1. And then just a little bit later, I don't think it was too far off, uh, Petrangelo scored with an sh- assist from Shannon Schwartz uh-huh. again. And this one was a really nice goal. This is one where Petrangelo walked in on the right side, and you're like, is he going to shoot? Is he going to pass? Is he going to do anything? <laughs> He's run out of space, and then Anderson dropped down the butterfly, and he just kind of... Uh, forehand, backhand, tucked it in between Anderson's pad and the the post and the net, and it was kind of one of those ones too where I didn't have the best angle. I was like, "Did he score? Yeah. I don't even know what happened." That was the Petrangelo goal because yeah. that was sick what he did. There. Yeah, he forehand, backhanded in so little space. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like between space. the post and the skate of Anderson, mm-hmm. so it was very impressive. I don't know how they get the patience even to like walk in, especially in a crowd of like 19,000. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and they're like, here you go. Just serving it up for the fans. Yeah. So that was all third period. That Petrangelo goal made it 3-1. Uh, to one. And then Pearby scored pretty quickly in the third period as it started unassisted for to make it 4-1. This was right after I told my friend that PRV doesn't score goals unless it's a wraparound, and that he's cursed. If you watch him ever try and shoot, it's either blocked, he it's rolling, he misses it, he never gets a clean yeah. shot on net. And even this one, I mean, was on net, but it was kind of like a weird, he kind of chopped at it and it went in. So that was, I mean, it was nice to see PRV score. I don't know how it was unassisted. There was a lot of Blues players touching the puck before him, but mm. whatever. But then, uh, same in the third period, Tyler Bozak scored for the Leafs from Martin and Marner. There's a lot of these, too, all these Martin M's. Yeah, we got Schwartz and Shen, and they've got <laughs> Martin and Marner. Uh, scored on Allen. This was Marner's a, name sounds like an accident, you know. Marner? Yeah. <laughs> or like a slang term, I'll see you at Marner. <laughs> to, Mar- to Marner. <laughs> but uh, this Bozak goal is weird, I guess more for the fact that... Uh, I forget who it must have been. It must have been Marner, I guess, that came in and had two really good looks on Allen and had Allen sort of going to the left. Mm-hmm. He was still down on the ground, and I think it was Dunn had kind of fallen down behind him and sort of pushed him out of the net. And so Allen just, you know, in his haste, 
kind of got back to the goal, but had his had his back to the shot yeah. and was facing the crowd. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those where in slow motion, you're like, you had the chance to turn around, but I don't think he wanted to lose where the puck was. Yeah. I don't know. It was just kind of weird looking, seeing him do like the crab walk to get back in front. <laughs> that was a little disheartening after the because it was so quick after the PRV goal. Um, but then Saboka scored on a tic-tac-toe goal from uh, Stasny and Steen, like, I think, 30 seconds later, so that was kind of nice. Deflated the Leafs immediately. Um, On replay for this goal, I thought it was kind of fortunate that we didn't get a penalty on us from Stasny. I'm still back and forth as to whether it was a trip. I don't know if you saw this, but he skated back behind the net. A really good Mm -hmm. forecheck, got the puck from Borgman, but he kind of had a stick behind Borgman, and I don't know if it was him, if it was Stasny pushing his stick forward, Mm. or if it was more Borgman kind of walking back on Stasny's yeah. stick, but he pretty much upended him like really clearly mm-hmm. and tic-tac-toe and it was in and I was kind of like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> cool, I'm glad we got that one. Yeah. But it was it was an odd play and then a little a little more odd, I guess, was the next goal from Petrangelo uh, assisted by Shannon Tarasenko because Petrangelo, it was a four on three. It was a lot of penalties back and forth and I think ours or theirs was about to expire and make it four on four and uh, Petrangelo got a really nice look Got it past Anderson, sort of on the left side, with Shen screening him, uh, Anderson. And so when Shen fell down, he kind of whacked Anderson in the face with a stick. Mm-hmm. Unintentionally, Anderson kind of fell backwards and it went in. Oh, it was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it either way, but if I'm Babcock, I challenge that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, unintentional, but I think they get that reversed super quickly, very easily. And given the fact that after the Petrangelo goal, uh, Connor Brown and Tyler Bozak scored both off the rush uh, later in the third to make it Mm 6-4, I think taking that one goal off and making it 5-4 just makes it that much more, you know, palatable for them to possibly get that tie at the end of the game. But that's kind of where we ended was 6-4. I thought the Blues did a good job at the end there, though. They took a, a, a little break there, a little timeout. And Yo talked to him, and it seemed like they really tightened up defensively after that because both of those goals by the Leafs were off the rush, which is one of those things that you don't really want to see scored on you. I mean, you don't want to see any goals scored mm-hmm. on you, but I think that's where some of our defensemen weren't really expecting the Leafs to be as fast as they yeah. were overall. And then I guess also on the Petrangelo goal as a side, that was uh, Tarasenko's 300th assist. Oh, yeah. Or 300th assist. My 300th point. 300 assists would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> 300th point. Um, I was at the game and I watched a replay and you can see Petrangelo call for the the puck from the ref and because it was originally unassisted. Yeah, originally. Yeah, Harvey, right. Yeah, or they they called the Petrangelo goal unassisted. Oh, but yeah, yeah, it was Petrangelo. Um, and so at least in the rink uh-huh. and I guess on the game, and so yeah, Petrangelo grabbed it and tossed it to Tarasenko and you can see Tarasenko like kind of give him a shrug like what and you can see Petrangelo point and go like for you. And oh, I was like, oh, nice. that's kind of cute. That's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's 300th point. Nice of Petro to acknowledge that it's his 300th. Yeah. And it's it's really cool that he's, like, aware of his teammates' That's, milestones. Like they that, always you know? talk about how, like, oh, players don't pay attention to that. But then, in like, I swear in the same breath, like, they'll say, oh, but they're they're watching points and they want to know who's, or, like, maybe yeah. not player points, but, like, where teams are in the standings. So yeah, for sure. I think they're more they're a lot more aware than they let on. Probably. Yeah, that seems fair. So, I mean, it was a good game. Kind of ran through that quick, but it was a lot of back and forth. I mean, 10 goals scored between two teams like that is always a lot of fun yeah. to watch. Yeah, you had a project for your first uh, rundown. And I feel like the one, the one note... I got to see more towards the end of the game, and mm-hmm. despite the fact that it was what six two at one point and mm-hmm. six four, it didn't feel like we turtled or like no those goals were earned by the Maple Leafs. And yeah, I mean they're a it never fast felt team. Like we were gonna you know yeah let it get out of hand or anything. I they're, was they're a really good team with a ton of young talent. I was so. surprised how afraid I was, maybe just being a little more knowledgeable of the Leafs when someone like. Uh, Austin Matthews on the ice, mm-hmm. like he seemed noticeable. Yeah, I feel like there's certain teams that maybe don't have I a player like that. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, he definitely looked noticeable. Him, Marner, and uh, Nylander. Yeah, Hyman. I saw a lot of Hyman. They're just a good, hardworking young team. Yeah, I think that's fair. Did you see a lot of uh, not Lucic? Yes, Lucic. Not Lucic. Thornton, Joe Thornton, or not Patrick Marlowe. Patrick Marlo. That's who I'm thinking. <laughs> 
Oh man, one of those old folks. Someone should someone should be offended in that whole group of people. I think it's Patrick Marlowe. Um, I, I my to, brain should be affected. to be quite honestly I probably did notice him but I didn't think I it's I just don't think of him on that team so weird he's yeah. on my fantasy so team but if you gun to my head I'd be like yeah but on the sharks <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so you're pretty good at that we'll have to let you do it the rest you, of the time I get a B uh, plus for effort I, I give you an A minus <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before we close out tonight we do have this uh uneventful i guess the game against the the devils uh which i like ian said about the uh maple leafs game definitely felt a little similar to the flyers game i would say though for the first half of this game like until the actual midway point i was like oh this is a loss for (laughs) sure and possibly a shutout uh the devils got off to an early start scoring the only first period goal blake coleman uh, assisted by Boyle and Moore. There was nothing spectacular about the goal necessarily. They had a heavy rush, and it was... It was right uh, on the doorstep, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was fine for what it was, but it was just <laughs> kind of... We had some bad bounces and a really good Schneider save in there uh, early mm-hmm. in the second that made you kind of feel like, oh, boy. Um, just oh, yeah. those sort of you know puck-lucky things, not to, not to quote the not late but somehow great lindy ruff but um somehow uh, agreed agreed in any case uh so it did feel pretty bad uh until tarasenko uh scored very late in the second period i think under two minutes left uh with a pretty wrister from kind of the high slot Mm -hmm. uh and we were talking about it before we started just there are some times where it seems like he doesn't even take a good shot and it he doesn't goes in, wind you know, up yeah. and admittedly this uh ricocheted off somebody's <laughs> leg off one of the devil's legs but um it was you just it's just shoot more tarasenko i know mm. you're he's such a good team player but i'm never gonna be mad that vladimir tarasenko <laughs> took a shot i can't imagine i think know? on the replay too i think pang said something about they talked to him that morning yeah. and he was like oh Tarasenko said he needs to try and shoot from like more areas and all yeah. the time. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, so somewhere in the third period, uh, I want to say maybe it was after the second goal, but uh, I'll put it here just because I'm not sure. But there was a play where uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, you may have heard of him. We were just talking <laughs> about him. It was a very formal introduction to a player that we just finished talking about. Uh, he'd gotten away on a break, and one of the... Stars players definitely came from like ninety percent behind him and lunged in front of him and stuck his stick out and tripped up Tarasenko pretty hard into the boards. Tarasenko uh, caught remember, himself. Pretty do you remember well. who that was on the Devils? Uh, I do not. I can look it up though because it okay. was at least called a penalty. Uh, but in any case, I just remember thinking like, who the hell's doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember whoever it was got up immediately and looked at the ref like I didn't do anything. Like <laughs> almost before the penalty had been called, like don't you dare call that referee. I love the hooking where they have one hand off the stick and they're already <laughs> looking around like not me. Uh, it was Steven Santini. Oh, he sounds like a... Which is a person, I yeah. guess. That sounds like one of those things that the... Uh, not the Ewoks. Those little buddies that are selling droids. And, oh, uh, yeah. Star Wars yeah, say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, But, yeah, so this was a controversial Jawas. at the Jawas, time. you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I needed to know that. And I, I'm excited for Battlefront 2, so, you know. That's going to be I dope. need to brush up on my Star Wars lore. Uh, I like Star Wars, but I'm not one of those people that knows it very well. In any case, <laughs> speaking of Star Check. Wars, back to tripping. Uh, Santini used his lightsaber to trip Vladimir Tarasenko. <laughs> uh, that would have been very violent. But in any case, this was controversial at the time because it definitely was... Uh, it should have been a penalty shot, I think. I mean, oh, he, yeah, he was entirely sure. beaten, and he dove from behind Tarasenko and tripped him. Uh, but and just as an aside, this actually was after the other goal, the second goal. Oh, okay. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, there was talk, you know, from Pang and Kelly about how yeah, that clearly should have been a penalty shot. But that led to you and I talking, and we'll oh, just yeah. cover it briefly. <laughs> is that a, like a good rule for team? Now, obviously, Tarasenko is one of the best shooters in the league, and I'd rather it be on penalty on him than anybody else, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like the penalty shot rule is great because, like, theoretically, Scotty Upshaw 
you know, who we love, but mm. you wouldn't think is a you know dynamite penalty shot taker, uh, could get tripped on a breakaway that he totally earned, and then you fail one penalty shot and it's not a penalty. So I was just wondering if maybe there should be like a a half minor or something on a failed penalty shot attempt, just so it's not all Ooh. on that one moment, you know? I, I kind of like that idea. And we've talked a little idea. bit before about, like, one-minute minors for stuff like the... Uh, we I think we mentioned it maybe with the coaching challenge mm. calls. I actually really like that idea. I was just thinking... When you were talking about that, I was thinking, okay, if, they mi- if you do a penalty shot and then if they miss a power play, uh-huh. you know, to the power play, I'm like, that seems kind of like you're having to dodge two bullets yeah. and I'm like that might be a little unfair but actually I don't mind that if you miss it it's still a one minute power play because mm-hmm. like you said if it's Upshaw they're like the guy's probably laughing who tripped him anyway because yeah. he's like well you can kind of score right and that's the thing I mean with uh, Tarasenko versus Upshaw getting tripped yeah. at any time it's the same penalty you get a two minute minor but the difference between them being tripped on a breakaway is you know a totally. chasm and I never so, thought about that and plus, I mean, one of the things about a penalty shot is when breakaways happen during the course of the game, the goalie has no time to steal himself, if you will, and like prepare for what's about to happen. He just has to react. Mm-hmm. Whereas if he gets as much as even a breath or two on a penalty shot, he can think, you know, especially if it's a shooter like Tarasenko, who he's probably, you know, at some point curse. curse cursorily <laughs> gone over their penalty shot technique mm. in case of a you know shootout. Uh, it's Oof. just an interesting thought. I don't want to linger on it too long, but it does feel like a one-and-done penalty shot. It's not like soccer, where if oh, you miss a, a penalty shot, shame on you, you <laughs> yeah. know, sort of situation. Like, it's a lot higher, a lot lower percentage chance for the shooter. Mm-hmm. And so it was just an interesting thought we had. In any case, the Blues did waste the power play they received instead of the penalty shot. So Not I guess shocking. it's a rather <laughs> moot point in this. Uh, they were one for five on the power play. However, uh, the goal we skipped over chronologically was a power play goal uh, scored by Jaden Schwartz. Uh, John Kelly later in the game said, uh, Jaden Schwartz almost had a second in a row. Like, that's a big surprise this yeah. year or something. Like, he said it about Pay Arvey or something. It was strange. But uh, Schwartz scored, assisted by Shin and Tarasenko. And this was uh, a nice little setup play from, I think, Petrangelo to Tarasenko to Shin. Mm-hmm. But the real gem of it was this gorgeous cross net backhand pass from Shin to Schwartz that let Schwartz pretty much score in an empty net. Uh, so a lot of credit to Shin mm-hmm. for score or for finding, you know, Schwartz with his back to him more or less. Um, and then uh, the third period progressed. We heavily outshot them, nineteen to four in the third. Yeah, I must have missed this part. <laughs> yeah, which is inconceivable. It was the anti-turtle. Um, and then uh, Shin uh, eventually buried an empty netter, his fourth goal of the season, assisted by Tarasenko. Uh, one thing to note in this game uh, is that the Tarasenko Shin uh, Schwartz line, our top line, combined for seven points. And no one else on the entire team had a point this game. Uh, is that something that you're con- you'd be concerned by, or is it just more of a trivium sort of? I think it's a little more trivium for this one because we've just seen how many points our defense gets. Yeah, and we talked a little bit earlier that Paul Stasny has been having kind of a quiet season, a good season, quietly with 16 games and 12 points, I uh-huh. think. So I think they're doing all right. But it is one of those things where it's like a double-edged sword. I'm like, this line is so good. And I'm like, yeah. oh, but if they don't do well. Yeah, but I do think it's nice. I don't know that we've had at any point. I mean, we've always had Tarasenko who could just mm-hmm. light it up and win a game. But I don't think we've had a line that's so dominant that a, a pretty good but not, like, incredible game from them just wins it mm-hmm. for you, you know? So... Uh, and I would remind anyone that's prone to panicking about them scoring all the goals. This game is, you know, that we beat Columbus a few, a few, you know, a week or so ago with goals yeah. almost exclusively from the fourth line. So I think we can, you can get have, it done, yeah, yeah from I a mean, different angle. I think it's more of a of a random trivium thing. And Petrangelo had a critical pass on that power play goal. They just don't count third assists, you know. So yeah. just a fun thing to keep in mind. This line is doing incredibly well, uh, and we probably haven't sung their praises even <laughs> enough. Uh, but 
That's a good win, too, against the Devils team that's much improved. Yeah, they're very hot. We go on the road after a, a tough home fight against the Maple Leafs, mm-hmm. um, which is all the more reason to expect that our game tonight against the Coyotes, which is currently scoreless, I believe, as we finish recording. That's pretty much a loss, a is it not? <laughs> <laughs> um, the Coyotes have uh, a couple of... Uh, St. Louis players returning home for the first time. Um, the more notable of the two being Clayton Keller, uh, who was a like six overall pick or something. He was in the he was in the first years round ago uh, when the five or however many players came out of St. Louis. Um, and unlike some of the other ones, is not uh, the son of an NHL uh, yeah. legend. I don't think. Uh, and so he's been lighting the world on fire in Phoenix. Uh, he's he has the only seventeen one. points. <laughs> Uh, which uh, wildly eclipses their next highest scorer, who I think was Ekman Larson with 10. Uh, and he's certainly, I would think, the rookie of the year front runner as it stands at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's cool to see the St. Louis kid do good things. It can only be good for St. Louis hockey, which can only be good for the Blues until he buries the empty net dagger tonight to beat us. Uh. Uh, but uh, we will talk all about that game when we reconvene next I assume Thursday probably before that there's a late Edmonton game that night. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thursday or Friday. Uh, but I would assume Thursday because I don't know of anything that would block us from doing that. And then the week after will be Thanksgiving, so we'll have to figure out how we'll handle oh, we're that. we're going to do a special Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, maybe episode. we will. Uh, you new music, a list new, of new uh, room, new <laughs> recording equipment. It's all going to be it's so thankful. Wildly excited, people. Uh, <laughs> until then, I uh, hope you have a good week, rest of your week, good weekend. I uh, hope the Blues win tonight, or we will be very dour the next time we speak. <laughs> And see you later. See you. Or hear you later. Because whatever. Just bye. <laughs> <laughs>